be able to be back and worship with you today. It's been a great day. We're kicking off a brand new series that I think is a really timely series. Uh, just entitled, Where Are You, God? Uh, in the midst of all the chaos, where are you? And looking at Matthew 25 and uh, one of the most powerful stories that Jesus told. I want to invite you to stand up and as we get ready to worship, uh, we really appreciate people that have been filling in for us, helping us out. Would you welcome our guest worship leader today, Stu Embry, give him a good Shelby Christian welcome and let's worship this morning. Amen. Well, let's worship the Lord today. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not Alive. All my failures I try to hide It was my turn Till I met you You called my name
worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. We opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. of the executive pastor. Glad to have you guys worshiping with us here today and those online. Uh, just a reminder, uh, after I pray at this time of communion, we have stations set up around. It's double cupped, so the, the bread's on the bottom and the, the juice is on the top and there's black boxes uh, for your offering. So uh, Monday was, was Valentine's Day. I hope you all had a great Valentine's Day. Um, Amy and I did, but growing up, Valentine's Day wasn't a big thing for our family. We were taught um, to break up with people before Valentine's Day, birthdays, and Christmas. It was cheaper that way. But, but the day that was big for our family was the day after Valentine's Day. Because that was when my dad and the kids, whoever, would go to the store to get half-price candy. Right? So that was big for us. So, so I'm always kind of excited about the half-price candy world. So I went this year, uh, the day after Valentine's Day, to get some half-price candy. And they had moved on. Right? There was no, unless I wanted a tablecloth, there was nothing 50% off there, right? They had, they'd, you know, love had stopped and it was on to, you know, the next holiday, uh, at Walmart and Kroger. 
So as I was prepping for this, I read uh, Hebrews 13, which is a great chapter in the Bible. There's a lot of things there that you're like, I need to write that down. I need to write that down. But it starts off with let love continue, right? So let love continue. And as you, you read further down, there's a line that says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so I don't know what disappointments you've had or what your life has gone through in the past or what's going to happen to you in the future. But I do know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even later in, in that chapter, it says that he suffered on the cross and died for us. And because of that suffering, we have life, right? And it says because of that, we need to praise God with our lips. So as we come to this time of communion... Let us think about Christ. Let us think about what he's done for you and for me. And let us praise him for all that he has done. Let's pray. Dear Father, you're awesome. And we love you. Thank you for being with us through the good times, through the bad times, through the times we don't even know you're there with us. But you were there yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus down to die on the cross for us. What more could he have done for us? Help us to honor you. Help us to to continue to praise you. Help us to not tire of doing what is good. Help us to please you and honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. the melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer slave Born 
favorite part of the Super Bowl last Sunday night was halftime. I love it when the first thing you say in the morning polarizes the entire audience. Notice what I didn't say. What I didn't say was my favorite part of the Super Bowl was the halftime show. What was favorite to me was being on social media watching people comment about the halftime show. That was amazing to me. Now, I will say that as a Bengals fan, I was far more disappointed at the outcome of the game than I was the halftime show personally. But it was amazing to me to watch. And I started looking up like halftime shows over the last 55 years. And it was really kind of interesting, the people who have been on the halftime shows. And, and it was so generational. I was telling Todd that like in the first 20 years of the Super Bowl, you know which act was the most used at the halftime show? It was a group called Up With People. And, you know, Todd said, who? Like, dude, you're a musician. You're supposed to know that stuff. You know, but, but it's been amazing to me to watch that. Because here's the same, the same people that were trying to make it so controversial tend to make everything controversial. They, they, they tried to take sides based on age. That was the first one, based on music genre, based on performers. Then there was that little group around the country that was making an East Coast, West Coast kind of thing. Here's what I saw on the halftime show. I, I saw 
I saw five performers on the stage, three of which were over 50 and two that were almost 50. So it's hard to complain about those youngins. I I saw two of the five performers that I'm referring to here that have a combined 25 years of sobriety. That there's no way that they should even be alive, and yet they were. I, I personally enjoy energetic music, so I love the energy But I struggle with the implications of a lot of the lyrics, the ones I understood. But that's a key point. Because if I didn't struggle with things that I see, if I just made judgments based on that, I would struggle with virtually every politician, every actor, most of the athletes, and pretty much most of the people on planet Earth right now. If I made judgments based on not understanding or particularly agreeing with what was being said or what's being done. The Apostle Paul was was so interesting. He often quoted the poets and the philosophers of his day. In fact, in the book of Acts and in the book of 1 Corinthians and in Titus, he quoted from people who were not Jews. They were not followers of Jesus. But here's what they were. They were well known in their communities. He didn't necessarily quote them because he agreed with them. He quoted them because they spoke into the culture. Like it or not, understand it or not, every year the halftime show speaks into certain parts of our culture. And what the Apostle Paul was doing was he quoted them because they were trying to build a bridge. He was looking for common ground. The problem is, stay with me. Please stay with me till the very end today. The problem is, we have grown into a world, even part of the world that claim to be Christ followers, that's grown to the point that we hate. Yeah, I said hate the things that we don't understand or the people that we don't understand. So because we don't understand what Andre Young has a doctorate in, you can figure that out later. We don't understand how a guy whose name is a candy uh, actually survived a season in his life when he was taking 60 Valium and 30 Vicodin a day. And he was on stage alive. We don't understand <laughs> if there was an economic statement being made by 50 Cent performing upside down. You'll get that one later on today too. We make decisions about all those people and lots of others that we don't understand. Because we don't understand. But Jesus made some decisions about all those halftime performers as well. He made a decision about every person dancing on the field and in the stands. He made a, per, a decision about every man who played the game and every woman who was on the sideline cheering. He made the decision to leave heaven and come to earth for them. Even the ones who didn't understand. And he said, as you do unto the least of them. You do to me. Open your Bibles to Matthew 25. In fact, I would encourage you to to dog ear it or go ahead and put that little ribbon thing in there. We're going to be in Matthew 25 for the next five weeks. I think it's that important that we dig into this. Because what do we do in the middle of chaos? Two years ago this weekend... Two years ago this weekend, as soon as I got done preaching, Kim and I went to the airport and got on a plane and flew to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for a large church pastor's conference with a lot of our friends, couples from all over the country. We were so excited because it was the, it was the high point in the history of our church. We were starting 2020 at the highest attendance part ever. A lot of things were rolling. People had, people had already been baptized literally by the dozens and the first six weeks of the year and it was such an exciting time and while we were there we began hearing it might not be safe to fly home that some countries like italy were 
locking down. <laughs> but never fear, our country's medical leaders said there was nothing to worry about. <laughs> and in 30 days, no one was meeting together for worship in our country. What? It was like this nightmare that we couldn't ever wake up from. That we couldn't ever get out of it. How are you supposed to act with all these things that we don't understand going on around us? And there is that part of a lot of us that was then and still today is screaming at the top of our lungs, Where are you, God? The prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament 700 years before Jesus came to earth, had all that he could handle, all that he could take. Things seemed so dark and out of control. He didn't understand how in the world that God was letting all this evil go on. He didn't understand where God was. In fact, in the first two chapters, look on the screen, the first two chapters, here are the questions that Habakkuk asked. How long, Lord, must I call for help and you not listen? Where are you, God? Or how long should I cry out to you? Violence is going on and you don't stop it. You don't save us. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate the wrongdoing? Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Have you ever asked any of those questions or ones really similar i got so many questions i got so many questions this time yesterday morning i was accompanying two of our local deputies to tell some grandparents that they'd never get to see their four-year-old again it doesn't make sense to me why does this stuff keep happening and what in the world are we supposed to do about it? What I know we can't do is just because we don't understand people and why they do certain things, we don't understand situations, we can't turn to hate. That's what I do know. The Apostle Peter in the New Testament, centuries earlier, centuries earlier than this, when stuff's going on, you know, we're just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like we're the only ones. Like we go through our own trauma, whatever it might be. And in that moment, it's like, we're the only ones. I can't believe this, this stuff that I don't understand is happening to me. Listen to what Peter wrote. He said, dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange were happening just to you. Instead, be very glad. What? Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering so that you will have wonderful joy seeing His glory when it's revealed to you and to all the world. Wow. Be very glad? Are you kidding me? What Peter is saying here was don't freak out just because you don't understand. Don't freak out Because things start happening that don't make any sense. Don't freak out when at least temporarily, momentarily for a season, the good guy looks to be losing. The good guy was down by 14, 10 minutes into the game yesterday. That's all I'm saying. Don't freak out when things don't seem to be going our way. The Apostle Paul said this. He actually said it a couple of times, but in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, make the most of every opportunity that you have because the days that we live in are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. That, that's something that, you know, I could get tattooed. I like that. Carpe diem, make the most of every opportunity. But it's not that much different from a 49-year-old rapper on stage at the Super Bowl saying, if you had one shot, 
one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. In one moment, would you capture it or would you let it slip away? You got to lose yourself in the moment. See, I think right there is a problem. We struggle with losing ourselves, don't we? If we're really honest, we struggle with losing ourselves and focusing on something beyond ourselves. And so we find ourselves in these difficult moments screaming like Habakkuk, God, where are you? And what is the answer? <laughs> what is the answer to God, where are you? What is the answer that we're looking for in the middle of the chaos? is right in front of us. And God is waiting for us to seize the moment, to seize the opportunity, to do something, not just complain about things we don't understand. And so we may never understand the chaos, at least not until we're with Jesus uh, at that time, we'll understand, but we may not ever understand until then. But until then, he tells us, I think he tells us here in Matthew 25, how to address the chaos. Like I said, we're going to be in this chapter for five weeks, so we're going we're gonna to really dig in to, to this, this whole chapter. But right now, I just, in the words to Matthew 25, 31 and following, they're not going to be on the screen. I just want you to maybe even close your eyes. If you want to follow along in your Bible, it's fine. But just listen to this story that Jesus paints. Because Jesus creates a narrative by telling a story and painting word pictures about what the end of time is going to be like. In fact, it's the only time he gave us any picture about what the return might look like. He said, when the Son of Man comes... In his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd shep separates the sheep from the goats he will put the sheep on the right and the goats on his left and then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous that he's speaking to will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, I'll tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he turns to his left and he says to, to them, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me at all. And, and they also answered him, Lord, when do we, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they'll go away to eternal punishment, 
but the righteous to eternal life. It, it's, it's, it's really interesting that this parable uses sheep and goats as the main characters in this drama about the end of time. I think it's also interesting. I think it's also interesting just on the season we're in. It's interesting to me that we're coming into this right after the Super Bowl and the announcement of the retirement of Tom Brady, the GOAT in most people's minds. The GOAT. The GOAT. Today it's an acronym for the greatest of all time. In football, the consensus kind of is Tom Brady's the GOAT. But in basketball, and, it, and it, it's NBA All-Star Weekend this week in basketball, the conversation is much more fluid. Is it LeBron or Michael or Kobe or Magic or Larry or Kareem or Will? Interestingly, with those first names, we all know who we're talking about. They kind of all know, but which one's the GOAT? Our world. We live in a world today, guys, that's clamoring for GOATs clamoring for the greatest of all time to be aligned with whoever is the greatest and to feel like we're connected in some way to that but to me the question in this parable is how do we live as sheep in a world that values goats how do we live as humble sheep in a world that values greatness and goats this parable is actually The third story Jesus told in Matthew 25. The the first two give us hints about how we live to arrive at a desired end. Because I think this third parable that we just read is the desired ending that we want to. I mean, in case, just in case you missed it, spoiler alert, you want to end up on the sheep side at the end, okay? Right? So how do we live in such a way that ends up there? I think the first two parables tell us a little bit about that. So let your eyes go back to the top. And the very first parable there is a parable about ten virgins. How do we live as sheep in a world that values goats? It's a story about being ready. Just be ready. If, if you want to take home today the, an action point, it's be ready. Be ready. Every person is responsible for his or her own spiritual condition. Now, I'm not going to read this parable, but here's how the parable goes, basically. It's all about a wedding that's going to take place. And traditionally, in that day and time, the, the, the bride would stay with her parents. And then when the groom got the, the new house ready, he would come and get her. And there would be a processional from her house back to his dad's house, where they were eventually going to live. But they would have a big wedding, and people would line the streets. And young ladies... Young ladies would want to get into the processional, kind of bridesmaids, if you would. And one of these these bridesmaids, or ten virgins, as Jesus tells his story, had lamps. And they would light the lamp and wait for the bridegroom to come. And it was an oil lamp, and so it was really important that you had enough oil, and that you trimmed the wick just right and everything. But as Jesus tells this parable, before the bridegroom gets there, some of the oil runs out, and five of the ten have to go get more oil. And while they're gone to get more oil, guess what? Yeah, you got it. The bridegroom comes, and, and they miss it. You know, in a wedding scenario, they miss the chance to go and maybe catch the bouquet or whatever it would be to be the next one. But in the much broader sense of this, the bridegroom is Jesus himself coming back to claim his bride, the church. And if people aren't ready, they miss it. They miss it. And so these young virgins weren't ready in, in the, in the, final parable that the sheep were blessed because they served everyone as if it was Jesus they were ready to serve but guys listen you can't give away what you don't have you can't give away and serve you know blessed were you or blessed are you because when I was hungry you fed me you served me When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. You served me. I was naked and you clothed me. You served me. I was sick and you came and visited me. You served me. I was in prison and you actually came and saw me. You served me. But to be able to serve in those kind of ways, you have to be full of, 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 of understanding and care and compassion so that you can give. Because you can't give away what you don't have. 
And so a huge question that we have to ask as we start into this series of where are you, God, is do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you have what you need to share with others? Do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you know the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? The second parable in in Matthew 25. The second parable is a parable of talents. It's a parable of talents or gifts referred to many different ways here. But we all have certain gifts and talents. In this particular parable, most of you know that the, the master is going on a journey. He's going to be away for a while. And so he takes what he has and divides it among the servants, various amounts to each different servant, and tells them to take care of it and to provide. And he will, he will get it when he returns. In this particular version, the numbers are five, two, and one. Five talents, two, and one. And he get the, the master gives those to the servants and says, here and go do something with it he goes he comes back jesus coming back and he goes to the servants and he starts asking for what he had given them and the return on what he had given them and the first one has doubled it and he's gone from five to ten the second one has doubled has gone from two to four and the third one had buried it because he didn't want to take a chance on losing it and did nothing with it and so the master takes that talent from that servant and gives to the one who already has the most I think it's important to understand that in the beginning of that parable, that there is already a differentiation between the servants. One is given five. One is entrusted with five. Basically knowing that there's a, there's a gift set there. There's a talent set there that this person is given this much. Doesn't mean they're better than the other person. They just, know, okay, you can handle five and you can handle two. And you can handle one because the master knew what the servants could handle. Alright? Not all the servants in the story knew what they could handle because one thought he needed to bury it and make sure that he didn't lose it. See, we are all given gifts based on what the master knows we can handle. We are all given assignments and, and, and responsibilities and opportunities. To seize the moment to make a difference in a world that's full of chaos. And some are entrusted at a five talent level and some at a two and some at a one. But we're all entrusted by the master at various levels to seize the opportunity, to seize the moment, to take advantage of what we have, to make a difference in a world of chaos. See, God gives these various amounts. The issue is not how much we have, but what we do with what we have. See, the very first parable, the the lesson is be ready. The second parable, the lesson is make the most of what you have. Be ready and then take advantage and seize the moment. Because in reality, the ultimate goat is actually a lamb. Who takes away the sin of the world. So let me, let me ask you some questions as we kind of pull this together. How are you doing? 2022. How are you doing in the chaos? How are you doing living with the end in mind? What do you do When you're approached by a panhandler, somebody begging for money, do you ignore them? Tell them to go away? Or maybe, maybe do you give them money? Or do you take them out for dinner? Opportunities. When was the last time you visited someone other than a family member who is in a hospital, a nursing home, or jail. 
When's the time that you were spiritually hungry, thirsty, lost, in need of clothes, sick, or in your own personal hell or personal prison, and someone someone reached out to you? When have you reached out to people in those conditions? Here's an important question. In that list of things that Jesus gave that we could do for the least of these, where do you find it most natural to serve? Feeding the hungry? Giving something to drink to the thirsty? Clothing the naked? Taking care of the sick? Visiting those that are in prison? But if you're really honest... Which of those things do you have the most trouble doing? I would suggest that quite possibly the reason that you struggle is because you don't understand. Because the things that we don't understand a lot of times are the ones that we shy away from. We push back from. We say is irrelevant. It's crazy. They're out of their mind. But it's all about living with the end in mind. And making a difference with what time we do have. In a world that is spinning out of control in so many ways. How do you want things to end? Wednesday. This past Wednesday. I drove over to Lawrenceburg for the funeral service of E. Paul Perry. A lot of you guys knew Paul. He was part of the men's fellowship. He planted Henry Christian Church. When I came here, he was preaching at Graffenburg Christian Church. Both of his sons are in the ministries. A former war veteran that preached at I don't know how many churches in central Kentucky and southern Indiana over the years. But never really, really big churches. But just plug away, just plug away, just plug away. Paul was 97 years old. His widow's 101. 102, something like that. I was standing talking to Chuck and Ernie when Miss Lucille came in the church on Wednesday. When Miss Lucille walked into the church with her walker, not in a wheelchair, she walked in. And she walked to the front of the church to the casket of her husband and she set the walker over to the side and then like hundreds of other widows I have seen over the years she bent over into the casket and whispered something in his ear and then kissed him on the lips on the lips and went over and sat down No visible tears, no wailing, no out of control, just calm. I think that's the way it's supposed to end. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. And I was standing next to Ernie and I said, I'd give anything to know what she said to him. I'd give anything to know what she whispered in his ear. I'm pretty confident I know at least the gist of it. I'm pretty sure she said, I'll see you soon. And then may have told him to get the grass cut and ready. I'm pretty sure she thanked him for loving her and the boys. And I'm pretty sure She thanked him for loving Jesus. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So guys, the bottom line that we've got to dig into for the next five weeks is how do we treat people when we don't understand? Because how we treat people says a lot about how we love God in the midst of 
of the things that we don't understand, let's make a commitment to love well. To love well. Would you guys stand with me? Part of that commitment to love well is to make Jesus Lord of your life. And if you haven't done that, uh, we would challenge you today. Not invite you. I'm challenging you. Because we don't know. The days we live in, we don't know how much time we've got. And this week, I got to go to a funeral service for someone nearly 100 years old. And the same week, had to go tell a family of a four-year-old that they would never see them on earth again. We don't know. So if you need to get it right with Jesus, Jason's back in the decision room. We've got other staff and elders here that love to talk to you and pray with you about that. Maybe you just need to pray, God, help me, help me to do a better job of loving people that I don't understand. Help me to do a better job of not writing off things just because I don't understand. Help me to do a better job of living like Jesus. And maybe you can pray that as we sing and allow God to release you so that you're no longer a slave to those things. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no stop out there. Uh, This Tuesday night is our Pathways for the month of February. So if you've never been to Pathways, come and enjoy uh, First Step. Find out what it means to uh, receive Christ in salvation and become a member of the church and have that opportunity. If you've already been to First Step, come back for Second Step. If you've already been to First and Second, come back for Third Step. All right. If you've already been to all three of them, come back and bring somebody who hasn't been with you and we'll let you in and give you Chick-fil-A again. All right. Uh, So you can get online and sign up for that or you can see one of the staff 
uh, this morning and we'll get you signed up for that. It's Tuesday night at six o'clock. And then as you leave today out in the lobby, spend some time out there. You got a little extra time. Go ahead there. We've got two different tables set up about mission stuff. Uh, there's a table about Uganda and then there's a table that's got stuff about the Dominican Republic and Poland and trips that are coming up uh, this year and some things that we can do to get involved in that. All right. Man, I'm glad you guys are here today. It's going to be a fun series as we dig into this. It's one that you, we hope would be one that you can invite friends to because I think there's a lot of people that are asking that question today. God, where are you? And hopefully we can unpack that a little bit over the next month. So let's love God, love people. Let's change the world. We'll see you guys.